<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada is traveling this week and will not be joining us. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. Chinese shares posted their worst weekly performance in two years, falling nearly 10% as markets in both the mainland and Hong Kong plunged following a similar correction in the U.S. and other global markets. The Shanghai Composite Index, China's major benchmark, saw a 10% decline last week, the worst fall since January 2016 when China was experimenting with circuit breakers to prevent excess market volatility. Guizhou Maotai, the world's most valuable liquor maker, declined by 2.5%, while leading brokerage Citic Securities slid by its daily limit of 10%. A hundred companies, equaling about 3% of all listed companies in Shanghai and Shenzhen, fell by their daily 10% limit. So if you hear somebody saying, buy Joe, they're probably just telling their friends to purchase underpriced stocks and not sorghum liquor. Meanwhile, China's imports jumped the most in nearly a year, while exports remained strong, highlighting healthy domestic and foreign demand. But economists cautioned the numbers may have been given a boost by the timing of the Lunar New Year holiday. Imports in the world's second-largest economy surged 37% last month from a year ago, marking the highest growth rate since last February and far exceeding the median forecast of a 10% increase in a Bloomberg survey of economists. The higher-than-expected jump in imports was, as I said, partly attributed to the timing of the week-long Spring Festival holiday, which starts on February 15th this year. I guess you could say China was on a spring roll. Avoiding car-choked city streets by flying to work is a fantasy entertained by many people stuck in bumper-to-bumper rush-hour traffic, but a Chinese startup is working to make this daydream a reality. A Guangzhou-based aerial vehicle maker, Ehang Intelligence Technology, released footage in which its signature passenger-carrying drone took several people on a ride through the skies. In the video, about 40 passengers, including Guangzhou's deputy mayor and Ehang's founder, take turns flying in the vehicle over rural and urban areas in a variety of weather conditions. The vehicle has eight propellers attached to four arms and is capable of carrying a single passenger weighing up to 220 pounds for 25 minutes on a single charge. It can be controlled by the passenger or the autonomous drone will fly itself to the location after being given a destination. We can tell you more, but we don't want to drone on. 
United Airlines, the leading carrier in routes between the U.S. and China, is pulling back the thrusters on new flights between the two countries following major additions over the last two years that have led to excess capacity. The head of United's China division told Caixin that the carrier is also pulling back from second-tier Chinese cities for the moment following the recent cancellation of flights between the U.S. and Hangzhou in eastern China and Xi'an in the nation's interior. The U.S. company has been flying to China for about three decades and now operates 93 weekly Sino-U.S. routes, just over a 20% share of all traffic last year. But the recent addition of capacity by United and U.S. rivals like Delta and American Airlines, as well as China's big three carriers, has led to overcapacity that will take a period to fill if demand continues on its recent track, United said. So if you're looking to book that flight to China, maybe you should consider a drone. Taiwanese electronics firm Foxconn is investing $18 million in a cryptocurrency bank being set up by a former partner at Goldman Sachs. Foxconn, formerly known as Honhai Precision Industry, said it invested $18 million in a private placement of Bradmer Pharmaceuticals, a Canadian shell company that will own the crypto bank. A company spokesperson told Caixin that the investment is part of Foxconn's broader strategy in the financial sector. The company didn't disclose how much stake it would own in the bank or how much control it would have in its decision-making, citing a non-disclosure agreement. The spokesman would also not comment, frustratingly, on her husband's new bolo tie, which he insisted was cool, citing another non-disclosure agreement. Users across the Chinese mainland, Hong Kong and Taiwan, can now use the same Didi Chuxing app to hail taxis and shared cars as the company continues its expansion outside of the mainland. Didi on Monday officially launched a new app dubbed Didi Hong Kong, an upgraded version of Kuai Taxi which the brand had used since 2015 when it first entered the city. The move comes weeks after Didi announced a partnership in Taiwan with Ledi Technology, which granted exclusive rights to the local firm to promote and use the Didi brand on the island. And who, after all, does not need a Didi after a long night in Wanchai or in Taipei? China's Twitter-like platform Weibo has introduced a new era section that promotes pro-government news stories on its trending function, a response to government criticism of the search feature. Beginning last week, Weibo users were again able to access the trending function which lists the most popular search terms. A week earlier, Weibo was ordered to suspend that function due to the obscene and wrongly oriented content. The New Era section, a reference, of course, to President Xi Jinping's Socialism with Chinese Characteristics for a New Era slogan, which was unveiled at last year's 19th Party Congress, is now one of the four kinds of trending searches users can browse. The section includes searches about government policies and news about the country's achievements. Weibo is now one of several web portals that have added patriotic sections, including news aggregator Jinir Toutiao and news outlet Phoenix News, which last month were both punished by the regulator for spreading pornographic content and providing news services without the necessary licenses. Let's turn now, as we do each week, to Doug Young, the managing editor of Caixin Global, for a look at some of the stories in the news. So, Doug, last podcast before we take a couple of weeks off for the Chinese New Year holiday. Uh, so what are you looking at this week? Yeah, the first story I wanted to have a look at was uh, all about this joint venture in, in Shanghai called Oriental DreamWorks, or it was called the Oriental DreamWorks, not anymore, because DreamWorks, which was the U.S. anchor partner in this joint venture, has bowed out of it. So now they've changed their name to Pearl Studios. I guess the story behind this thing is it was one of the very first 
you know how you're seeing Chinese Hollywood tie-ups like left and right. Well, this was actually one of the first in that 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 this sort of boom and across Pacific partnerships. It was actually announced in 2012, and it sort of kicked off, like I said, this big wave of China Hollywood tie-ups. You know, the idea being, hey, let's make pictures together that can be sold to the China market because China's become the world's second biggest box office. And DreamWorks Animation, their their former head was Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was a, a pretty big name in animation at Disney. And he was very, very bullish on China. So this thing was launched with all this fanfare back in 2012. Anyhow, fast forward to 2018. Jeffrey Katzenberg isn't at DreamWorks anymore. He sold his company to Comcast, which is part of NBC Universal. I mean, it's pretty clear this was a change of ownership decision. Uh, NBC Universal probably looked at Oriental DreamWorks and said, hey, this thing has produced one big movie in five years. Not exactly super productive. And that, that big movie was Kung Fu Panda 3, which was already in the works and probably could have just as easily have been made in the States. Didn't have to be in China. So Comcast probably sat back and said, hey, this thing ain't producing that much. Let's pull out. And that's what they did. Why, why might so little have been produced in this time when the big U.S.-China collaborations were pretty fruitful for a while there? Uh, and, and is this the end of the honeymoon period in co-productions, uh, as a lot of the headlines have suggested? Well, my sense, and again, this is just from an outsider looking in, is that the formula, what it is going to, is these sort of one-off co-productions. Because there you have a very specific project, you have a budget, you can really control it much better and you don't have any of this arguing. I mean, you do have some arguing, but, you know, not big philosophical arguments. You have an argument over, are we going to shoot this scene today? Is this person going to stand there? These bigger tie-ups, I think, are probably a little more problematic because, like we saw with this one, this one just took forever to get going. The movie that finally came out was the worst performing of the three Kung Fu Panda movies. I mean, it still did pretty well. But when you have these bigger grand partnerships, it sounds all great on paper. But China's just littered with joint ventures where the partners didn't see eye to eye. And they argued over this and that. And and then, you know, complicating matters in this case, DreamWorks was a minority partner. So that meant their Chinese partner always probably got the last word. And maybe that wasn't the best thing. So my take on this would probably be that this is a winding down of maybe some of these bigger partnerships, and, and we probably will see continuation of these one-off co-production deals. We actually just saw one announced this week. It was um, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, uh, they announced a partnership with Alibaba Pictures, and they're going to produce a, a sci-fi movie. And I think we'll probably see a lot of these going forward. I don't think we'll see a pullback in those, but maybe some of these bigger alliances might fall apart. So you had another story uh, you wanted to chat about, a quirky little piece about Baijiu, that infamous Chinese liquor. Uh, that is a good way, I think, to ring in the Chinese New Year. So what's what's going on there? Yeah, this story is, is sort of a fun way to end out the Chinese New Year. We all know Chinese New Year. Maybe people don't know if they're outside of China, but Chinese New Year is a, is a big time for consumption of traditional liquor they have here called Baijiu. A lot of the stuff gets drunk around New Year. It's very strong stuff, and most Westerners probably wouldn't want to drink too much of it. But anyhow, the story this time around is is that one of the really famous brands, a company called Lu Zhou Lao Jiao, has just rolled out a perfume of all things. This is not something you would really expect from a, a Baijiu. Anyone who's smelled this stuff doesn't probably think it smells like anything perfumic. 
But this particular perfume doesn't smell like baijiu. Apparently, it smells like flowers. It's a, what is it? It's, it's a mix of lemon leaf, wisteria, peach flower, lilac, and musk. And it goes for 139 yuan per bottle, which comes to about $22 U.S., so anyhow, the, the story is just that they were doing this thing and caught a lot of people's attention. And, and apparently it sold quite well, uh, according to them. They said they made uh, 20,000 units of this perfume and it sold out in, in two days. So anybody who was hoping to get uh, some of this Lujo Laojiao perfume will have to wait until the next batch, which is coming around on April 20th. Why are they doing this? Uh, what's the underlying reason for moving into perfume of all things? Baijiu makers are trying to diversify a little bit, especially some of these more famous names. The Baijiu market has been a bit unstable these last few years. There's a big crackdown on corruption, and that actually ended up doing away with a lot of the gift giving because a lot of this stuff is real expensive and it's given as gifts. There was also a frugality campaign that discouraged lavish spending on government-sponsored banquets, so that really hurt these guys. They took a big hit because of that. Things are starting to bounce back a little bit, but I, I think they're thinking, oh, you know, we, we just need to be a little more diversified. So why not go into perfume? It's a well-known name, but it'd be like buying Budweiser perfume or something. It, I don't think many people will associate it with perfume, but that's the idea. And some of these other Baijiu companies have gotten into like building these resort villages and tourist type destinations. So it seems to be part of this diversification trend for these very traditional Chinese liquor makers. So you think you're going to be uh, downing shots of Baijiu in the coming weeks? Oh, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to. I, I don't really want to, but I'm going to visit a couple of friends in the out in the provinces, and, and it's almost mandatory when you're out visiting these kinds of places. So yes, I probably will imbibe, but no, I won't be that happy about it. Well, we will be eagerly awaiting your full report on your CNY escapades uh, when we return, so keep that in mind, Doug. Okay, will do. Thanks, Kaiser. Thank you, Doug, and happy year of the dog to you. That is this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Cynical Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out our current affairs show, Seneca, as well as the new GGV996 podcast on Tech in China, and follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.